Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Crump, and you are not in today is Friday at some point in May, and it is the year 2022. Today, as a special treat, I am joined by my lovely research assistant, John Polarski. Anything can ever replace Screaming Goat. I don't. Yo, you got Screaming And I have Disco Jesus. So, uh, so happy to be here today with you. We have questions already submitted. And whatever questions you also want to submit, let her rip. And we'll get after as many as we possibly can today. But first, let me say that Miguel Cabrera is the greatest right-handed hitter ever. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that's in the Bible. At least in our lifetime. If I'm if I'm ever pope, I'm going to put that in the catechism. That if you're a Catholic, this is divinely revealed. Uh, you have to believe Miguel Cabrera as the greatest right-handed batter ever. Who's the greatest lefty, John? Babe Ruth. Yeah. Uh, is Shohei Otani a lefty? Yes. Yes. Did you see like he is it? And of course, it's probably not going to happen. But he's ahead of where Babe Ruth was in his stats at this point in his career. That's crazy. Yeah. He's got more wins than the mountain. Yeah. Dude's a freak. Uh, so anyway, I do have to start off with a very important story. That yesterday, you guys asked about childhood oh. stories from Jeff and I. Yeah. And there were so many we will never, ever tell you. And I say that not so you go, oh, please, come on. No, no. You don't understand at advice of legal counsel. Like Paul called this morning and was like, do you remember, why didn't you tell that story? And you know, but the one we've talked about it later, we can tell, cause it's, we didn't do anything. Well, we did something wrong, but nothing sinful or I don't know, breaking of the law. <laughs> was we had a priest who had this thing during mass he would do. And it was petition time. So we pray for the Pope, you know, let us pray to the Lord. We pray for the country, let us pray to the Lord. And then we pray for all the sick. Please mention those who are sick. And then he, as a priest, had a list of people who didn't go to our church, but that he loved, whatever. And it was long. And then he would wait a really long time for people to say names. He'd say them out loud, you know, Gordon Krupp. John Polarski, you know, Sue Smith, Bob Johnson. Jeff and I would make up names. <laughs> and um, there was a guy named Jacob who was the master of it. And he made up the name Eugene Polarczyk. And it just sounded so real. Because a lot of the names this priest would say were Polish dudes. He grew up in a Polish neighborhood, Polish dudes and dudettes. And they would have these Polish names. So Jacob came up with this Eugene Polarczyk. And then uh, my, we, what, another one, Amelda Snodgrass. We said Amanda, Amelda Snodgrass. And uh, we would, at Mass, make up the names of humans and say them out loud during petition time. And we felt bad. Am I supposed to say we felt bad? So that's a true story. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So with that, um, let's just dive right in, because again, we got some questions here. So the first question is, uh, how do you get such milky white skin? Okay, I'll be honest, nobody asked that, and I don't even know what it means, but I felt like if Oil of Olay is watching, 
and they want to send me sponsorship money, I'll drink it. Do you drink oil of Olay? <laughs> no. No. You cook with it? Yeah. All right. I'll drink it. Let's get back to it. it works out. Yeah. Yeah, Dad said we could get some lawsuit money if I drink it. Yeah. Do they even still exist? When I was a kid, they were commercials for that all the time. Now it's all gambling ads. <laughs> you know, there's. I don't see any problem at all with uh, gambling ads all the time during sporting events. That won't lead to any problems, right, John? Mm-hmm. Right there with insurance ads. Oh, my Lord. Jake from State Farm, we hate you. Flow, go away. Yeah, flow away. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so first question. If health keeps me from attending church in person, does the church frown on that? Well, well, no, right? Uh, keep in mind, you know, and I'm not being funny, although it's a funny thing, God's not a jerk. Uh, God doesn't ask you what you can't do. And particularly, as we grow in awareness of the uh, passing of diseases and sicknesses, uh, we want to be super conscious of uh, making sure that we're guarding our own health and uh, that we are guarding the health of others in a reasonable way. So please, you know, uh, if health keeps you away, that's not a sin, that's just life in a broken world, right? So be at peace, uh, pray. I think this is St. Augustine, but don't quote me. Well, don't quote me quoting him because my quote of his quote might not be the quote that um, I think I have to stop now. End, end quote. End quote. Pray as you are, not as you aren't. Isn't that great? Pray as you can, not as you can't. So, uh, okay. Is Great Lakes Cemetery consecrated? Now, is this the one in Holly? Yes. Yes, it is. It's consecrated ground. Uh, and at the same time, whenever I bury someone there, a couple key things. First, they have to be dead. Rules are rules, right? You can't bury living people anymore, John. Damn. I know. Um, what was the second thing? Oh, the ground is consecrated, but when the priest comes in, he'll say a blessing over the ground because that's a good part of the ritual, yeah? Um, so yes, Great Lake Cemetery is consecrated ground. So also, by the way, that means if you're a Highlander, you can't have a sword fight in that cemetery, right? Remember, those are the rules. Really? If you're gonna chop a guy's head off and take all his power, you remember this movie? They couldn't fight on consecrated ground. What? You don't remember. Considering rem- the, the violence you just hinted at, I probably haven't seen the movie. Okay. For those of you who haven't seen, I don't know, one of the greatest action movies of the 80s. Really? Have you seen this, John? Oh! Okay. Some of you might be in a state of sin, and I want you to go to communion this Sunday, so let me tell you about the movie. It's called The Highlander. And it stars a guy who's not from Scotland, but puts on a pretty horrible Scottish accent. Uh, Sean Connery's in it. Sean Connery's in it. He's dead, right? Yes. Okay. I didn't even know he was sick. And the whole principle is that there's these dudes walking around the earth in different places all around the globe who are immortal. You can't kill them unless another one of them, they're called immortals, I think, cuts off their head. Right, and I don't know why I'm doing this. It could also be, yeah. But when you cut off their head, then you get all their power and wisdom. And they feel this pull to all go to one place at some point and fight till there's one person left. And as you can tell, this is a beautiful coming of age tale of love and 
stuff. Beheadings. And beheadings. But one of the rules is they can't fight on consecrated ground. So if you're watching this and you're one of the immortals, please don't cut people's head off at that cemetery. It's consecrated ground. I went there. Has everybody left? No. Okay, I wasn't sure because I didn't know if they were okay. Question for St. Joe's Friday. St. Joe's? He's not here. Question for Father Joe's. I can't explain what just happened. Question for Friday. Question for Friday. Friday. Uh, Is it true St. Thomas Aquinas had a vision and then said, all I have written is straw? Yeah. Um, That toward the end of his life, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas uh, revealed to his, um, I believe his confessor, that he had a vision of Christ who said, you have written well of me, Thomas. What would you have me give you? And that Thomas had the best answer ever. Ready? You. He said, I just want you. And that God revealed himself to Thomas in a way that overwhelmed him in a good way. He really lost the ability to speak um, and died shortly thereafter. But that's what he said. It's all straw. Compared to what I've seen, it's all straw. And it's really cool because the catechism has something in there like this where they point out everything we say about God is more untrue than true, but it's the best thing we have, right? When we say God is love, that's true, but we've so screwed up the word love that it's more untrue. Does that make sense? Okay. Marvin, Pastor Williams, I miss you. You have to come on. This is so crazy. Wasn't I just saying this? Pastor Williams, I miss you so bad. And I do. Can people see him on there? Well, they can. I mean, they can see. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Pastor Williams, I don't. I'm going to get gooey. Is a ridiculously holy man and a beautiful man who has taught me so much. And um, even, and I hope this is okay to say, Pastor. Well, like he taught me one of the ways we can love our brothers and sisters of color is when we hear of a violent racist tragedy, for lack of a better phrase. Like for us, in, in, in the case of, uh, was it Buffalo, New York? And I missed the whole thing. Like somehow I missed it in the news cycle. I don't watch news. Uh, but when I found out that a man killed people because they were black, uh, I just texted him, I told him I love him, and I'm precious, he's precious to me and to God. And anyway, blah, blah, I love this dude. All right, and we will get him on here. So, oh, okay, so that's where we're going. If he cuts off my head, yes, you will get my wisdom and power, but I will get your biceps. <laughs> Have you seen his biceps? Were you here when he wore that short sleeve? And you know what, you notice what he did next time? He didn't wear the short sleeve shirt. Because right. <laughs> he wanted the chicks to be able to focus. He says he's going to give us a date today. Oh, sweet. Uh, but, Pastor, I don't date. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not gay and I don't date. So, uh, thank you. I'm flattered. <laughs> hey, we should get him in our new studio. Yeah. Right? This well, is our last be. show in the studio, right. guys. It's going to be in this studio. That's right. This is our last show in this studio. And Pastor Williams was our first guest in the old studio and our first guest in this studio. How cool is that? All right. Um, So, hey, Pastor, seriously, love you, bro. And I'm sorry for uh, what our brothers and sisters of color are experiencing in terms of racism and violence. And just know, if you look at all the people watching this today, we stand with you, man. And, And all of our brothers and sisters of color, 
right? And uh, I don't even know what else to say with, but and, yeah, okay. Oh, now you're laughing. What, did I say something just stupid no, you can tell me? Does he want my biceps? He said you're sick and I love you. <laughs> love you too, bro, but you don't, but these things, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, fear not. I would never hurt you. Do you know, uh, I don't know if you guys heard this, but the shadow of his biceps weighs eight pounds. Yeah. Okay, leave him alone so he'll come back. <laughs> he'll come back? I said leave him alone. Oh, I have to quit picking on him? Okay. But just so you know, NASA called and told him to quit flexing. Okay. So next question. My brother, who is a Catholic, married a woman who is a devout Lutheran. I overheard someone in the family mention that her sect of Lutheranism believed in the consecration of the Eucharist. Is there truth to this? Maybe I misunderstood. No, no, you got it. Um, I know Missouri Synod Lutherans believe this. I don't know about the others. What they believe is that the Mass, when we pray Mass, when we Romans Catholics pray Mass, we believe that the Holy Spirit changes the body, the, the bread and the wine to the body and blood of our Lord and we call it transubstantiation. Stick with me. If you guys can understand this, by the way, you'll be able to wrap your brain around a lot. So we say the substance, transubstantiation, the substance is changed. Lutherans say consubstantiation, meaning the substance of the bread stays bread, but Christ is there too. So what does that mean? Well, that means when they're finished with the service, it's just bread again. We believe the change is permanent. They believe the change is temporary. And being candid, forgive me for this, Romans would tend to believe that Lutherans can't do transubstantiation, and transubstantiation anymore because they don't have apostolic succession. These are lots of crazy words, aren't they? So stick with me. I'm going to walk you through, okay? <clears throat> and believe it or not, this is what I did with our first graders uh, in Hudson. I don't know if it'll work with you guys, but you know about the Transformers? Do you know about these Transformers? More than meets the eye. Transformers, robots in disguise. I can't believe I remember that. Do you guys remember this? Okay, so think of it this way. If you take the main good guy, whose name is Optimus Prime. You with me? Okay, so Optimus Prime is a semi or a robot warrior, whatever, okay? But either way, he's the same dude. What changes? Trans Former. form. His form changes. So what he looks like changes, but his personality doesn't. Who he is doesn't change. He's the same dude, whether he's a semi or a warrior. That's because his form changed. When the substance changes, all that he is would change. The outside might stay the same. How are we doing? Yeah? So whenever you think of a thing, like a human, you see their form and their substance. The form is the externals. So like I'm Pastor Williams, huge biceps, and I don't remember anything else. The substance of him is that which makes him the man he is, a unique, unrepeatable creation of God with his own personality. And I think he's down to two sins now. Am I right on that? Is it two or three sins that? <laughs> I can't find it anymore. Yeah, okay, it's not on Google. Um, well, you know what, we'll talk to Tanya. We'll know. So for us, what we believe is when we're praying Mass, we enter the Last Supper. We're not recreating it. We're not remembering it. 
And at that Last Supper, the form of the bread stays the same, still looks like bread and tastes like bread, if it ever did. The substance of it changes. That which makes it bread is gone. And now it's Christ. Does that help? Okay. So what is this apostolic succession thing? Now stick with me. This gets wiggy. Okay. But this is what Catholics believe. And this is what separates us from some Anglicans, uh, not the Orthodox, and most Protestant sects, I believe. Okay. Um, namely, what we believe is that Jesus gave to the disciples uh, power, a unique anointing of the Holy Spirit, and that those guys chose someone to take over when they were dead. Okay. So we know, for example, that, uh, let me see, Peter, St. Peter, um, chose a guy named Linus and chose him as his successor and prayed for the Holy Spirit to descend on him in a unique way. And then Linus did that to a guy named Cletus. Isn't that awesome? There was someone named Cletus. Where I grew up, if there was a guy named Cletus, that meant he had a rebel flag in his house. That's just science. Uh, Li Peter, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sextus. You, know, you could go through this whole list of popes all the way down to, who's our guy now, Francis. Okay, it's an unbroken touch chain that is true of every bishop, every Roman Catholic bishop you meet. Like for our guy now is Earl, right? Earl Boyer. But Bishop Carl placed his hands on Bishop Earl. Bishop Pavish put his hands on Carl. Bishop Elbers put his hands on Stop. No, no, but what if they're dead? Oh, then. Two other bishops will do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it always takes, I'm sorry, three bishops to make a bishop. Okay. And why do they do Y3? Because of the English Reformation. Oh, don't even get me started. This is such a fascinating period of history. But so when I was ordained, Bishop Carl put his hands on me and gave me, quote, a portion of that spirit. So I can't do the things... Like bishop, every bishop you meet is an exorcist. Not every priest you meet is. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like I'm just talking no, a lot no, about good. things that are not interesting. Okay. So are you always tied to that bishop? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. And so in the end, when you talk about what Lutherans believe, Lutherans believe that the substance doesn't change the substance is added to. Catholics believe the substance changes. That ain't bread anymore. It just looks like bread. Now it's God flesh. Okay, John 6, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have life in you. So what Lutherans believe is it's bread and Jesus. And that when their time of prayer, I believe, is over, it's just bread again. But I was at a Missouri Synod Lutheran church in Lansing where they received communion kneeling on the tongue at a communion rail. No kidding. And I've been at ones where they don't do it that way. So they probably believe something very, 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 very similar to us. Okay. But what we as Roman Catholics would say is, but I doubt if that's what's actually happening. Yikes. And you might think, well, that sounds arrogant. I know. But it's what we believe. And it makes sense if you believe what we believe. And you would not have received there. Me? Yeah. No, I did not receive there because I'm not in communion with them. Yes. And they're not in communion with me. And so there was no hate or anger there. Um, you know, it, it, it's like, I think Pastor Williams, for example, wouldn't want to go to communion here. He might come to Mass, but he would say, well, we're not in communion. 
so he wouldn't in communion on this. Uh, for Pastor Williams, I think I could ask him, I assume he would say, well, that's bread. That's a symbol, right? For us, it is the source and summit. Uh, so am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. And in fact, Pastor, if you're still watching, if you haven't fled in terror, let us know. But I think uh, in his church, the, if they do Eucharist, when they do it, it's a symbol of the unity Jesus makes in them. Right. Okay. So uh, how's everybody doing? Good. Yeah. Am I a little crazy today? No. Nope. I was so tired. I jacked up on caffeine. This is going to be a weird show. And you know what's going to happen? Like five minutes before the show ends, I'm going to start this one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll wake you up. Yeah, we'll wake you up. Screaming goat will take care of Oh, screaming goat. <laughs> Question. The born-again Christian reference has always bothered me. God has never left you. Is this a valid thought? Uh, no, a born-again Christian is a really good way, I think, this is my opinion, for us to embrace Jesus' words in the Gospel of John to Nicodemus. Okay. Um, and by the way, do you know what's interesting? I think I'm doing this right, and I never thought of it till I just said Nicodemus's name. Right? Nico is Greek, and it means the conqueror. It's where we get the word Nike. And then you take demos, which means spirit, conqueror of the spirit, the spirit of a conqueror. How cool is that? But anyway, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the dead of the night, and they have a long conversation that only two brilliant people could have, truly. But in it, Jesus uses this image that you have to be born again. And, and what, do, what did Jesus mean by that? Well, remember, I think yesterday, no, 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 Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday, when we were talking about how in baptism, we believe that the waters of the baptism are the womb of Holy Mother Church, that Jesus, the groom, the church, the bride come together and that that baptismal font is the womb and that when you go in that womb, you die and are ready, born again, a new creature in Christ. So I think I understand, like, if you're my age, you know that sometimes very well-intentioned people who don't believe Catholics are Christians would just beat us over the head with these catchphrases. Uh, and born again was one of them. Right. And I get it. But don't let that detract you from the abject beauty of it. If that helps. Have you been born again? Uh, well, have you been baptized? Yeah. Then yes, you have. Now, are you cooperating with that born again? That might be what they really mean. Right. Are you living your part of that covenant that when you were made a new creature, are you living like a new creature or are you living like the old one? Right. Uh, we are dying to the old self in the words of the Apostle Paul. And I could go on and on, but I think that's clear. Yeah. OK. Oh, another one. Come, Holy Spirit. OK, this is um, Pastor Williams Okay, at his church, which is a lovely church. Uh, we see Eucharist as a symbol of the body and blood. And yet we do believe that Jesus is present in it in a unique and powerful way. Right. So they, too, are reverent as they approach that Eucharist. Philosophically, we just believe two different things are going on. OK, so thanks, Pastor. Um, good morning, Father Joe. Good afternoon. Where are you? What, where is it morning right now? California. 
California. What? This, this question in particular was submitted to Facebook or email. Oh, okay, I got you. I have a few questions for you, and since I'm unable to watch your show live on Fridays, I'm hoping these make it to you. Ah, they have. Wouldn't it be mean, though, guys, if at the end of the show we edit this out and then post it, and then later when they listen, they're like, it wasn't on there, and we're all like, oh, yeah, it was. Okay. Uh, wouldn't that be awful? Okay. Uh, come, Holy Spirit, where are we? Oh, thank you for everything you do. We love your show. Oh, my gosh, thank you. I, I love that you love it. Um, like anyone else, I struggle with my own insecurities, right? Is this valuable? Is this helping? Um, uh, am I too spacey? You know, all those kind of things. And so that's really nice. Thank you. Um, with that, your show stinks. What? No, I'm just kidding. That doesn't say it at all. Wouldn't that be cool, though? Whenever someone, what does someone call, told me it's called a poop sandwich. Have you heard this? No. The poop sandwich is... Hey, you know, Carrie, I just want to tell you what a great job you're doing, right? And then I really need you to work on some things. And then when you're done telling her what she needs to work on, you're saying, you know, gosh, you're doing a great job. So it's a poop sandwich. Isn't that funny? That's what they call it. I'd never heard that. A millennial taught me this. Oh, that's an old thing. I heard that, bro. Is it? I heard in a basketball coaching clinic. You're kidding. See, I always they tell. They poop sandwich. They did. Oh right, I'm fixing it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I we're PG here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they didn't use it in any bad terms at all. It's just an approach. Yeah. I said it's teaching. They use it in school too. But anyways. Oh, I get you, brother. I thought I told Dad I thought it was one of those like because whatever people's complaints about millennials. They have really done wonderful things with the with the English language. I love the weird phrases and turns of phrases, like adulting. Who would have... Anyway, okay. I should probably get to the question. I believe you have discussed this before, but can you remind me of the Catholic, Catholic stance on... Uh, the Catholic stance or your opinion on cremation. I know we are to never spread ashes if someone is cremated, but is keeping the body intact preferred over cremation? Okay, good stuff. So uh, I always give this little caveat. I'm going to tell you what the church wants you to do. If it's too late, if you've already done something, let it go. Right? God does not judge you for what you didn't know. Okay, unless it's ridiculous, right? There's certain things the church says you should never have to be taught. Did you know that? No. Yeah. You don't kill innocents. You don't break covenants. And a secret third one. Don't start a land war in Asia. I don't know. I can't remember, but there's three things where the church is like, nobody should have to teach you this. Yeah. Uh, don't kill innocents. Uh, don't break covenants. And never hit on 17. I'll look it up. Okay. Um, so what is the church's teaching? That the best... Whoops. Dropped my mic. Hold on. Should I attach it to my beard? It's going to hurt. No, it doesn't hurt. Oh, it doesn't? Right. That's really weird. There look at... It. It's long enough now. Okay. Ow, that hurts. <laughs> Woo! That's a spicy meatball. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Ow! Okay. What were we talking about? Okay. Here's what the church would prefer. Here's the perfect way to do it, to follow church teaching. When the person dies, you have a funeral with the body intact. 
and then you have the cremation afterward and bury the ashes in a sacred place, okay? A designated sacred space. I found 50-50 that Catholics will instead have the cremation right away and we do the funeral with the cremains. That's fine, truly. Um, sorry guys, my phone keeps going off and I forgot you can, I push a button to turn it off. You can't hear it because it's in my hearing aids. Can you hear it when it yeah. goes off? No. Yeah. Um, man, I'm a mess. Okay, so, oh, the key is this. Cremation is acceptable. And why? All it's doing is accelerating what's going to happen anyway, to be, cr to be crass, right? You were dust, to dust you'll return. And all cremation does, frankly, is speed up what's going to happen anyway. The reason the church, only in the U.S. that I know of, nowhere else was cremation forbidden. In the U.S., cremation was forbidden for a simple reason. Catholics kept falling into faulty ideas, like, well, the body's just a shell. No, it's not. Your body is sacred. Jesus took one on. God willing, we will be body and soul in heaven at the second coming. Right? Um, another reason is the spreading of ashes. The church considers that very disrespectful and not good to do. Um, so uh, I hope this helps. Yes, if you wish for cremation, do cremation. Uh, we can do a funeral with cremains or with the corpus whole, whichever way. But when you are cremated, you need to make sure that those uh, ashes go into a designated permanent sacred space. Okay? How's that? All right. Dear Father Joe. No, did Father Joe. Ugh. Oh, sorry. I'm not. That's a good question. Sorry. Did Father Joe address the bishop statement addressing Nancy Pelosi to the public? What do you think? Did he make it public or did she? <sighs> okay. Uh... What do I think doesn't matter, right? Uh, truly, it doesn't matter. Um, what the church teaches is that you can slash should, a bishop, not you or me, we don't have that power. Priest can't, laity can't, only a bishop or a pope, who's really just a bishop, but don't get me started. So when a person commits grave, public, obstinate sin, I think I got those words right. Okay. that if the bishop has hope that depriving them of communion will change their behavior, then he should deprive them of communion. Uh, what does that mean? It means he, the bishop would believe. So let's say it's me. Let's say I am committing a, well, let's go Nancy Pelosi, right? The example's right there. So what that means, I can't remember that bishop's name. I think it's Corleone or Salvatore or something like this. Um, and if it's Corleone, that is cool. I want that last name just because you could do a lot of Godfather stuff. Corleone means heart of the lion. Did you know that? Cora's heart. Should I stop? No, no, no. Okay. Cordelion. 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 Okay, Cordelion. So what does it mean? It means in his heart, he looked at the data that he, and he did say this. I have tried numerous times to get her to talk to me about this and she won't. Okay. I don't know if she's denied that or whatever. I'm just trying to, as dispassionately as possible. 
walked you through. So in his head, she hit these check marks. She publicly proclaims her Catholic faith and openly advocates for something the church has for 2,000 years said is intrinsically sinful, and that is abortion on demand. I'm learning I need to make this distinction, by the way. What do I mean by abortion on demand? Abortion is birth control. Right? Someone wrote me a, a painful and beautiful letter about how uh, there are abortions to save children's life, or to save the mom's life. Of course that's permissible, right? Because the goal isn't abortion, the goal is save mom's life. That's different than convenience. That's different than terminating a pregnancy because of consistently bad moral decisions, okay? Uh, so I want to be clear. I, I didn't realize that Catholics didn't know this. The church does not say all abortion should be outlawed. Abortion to save a mom's life? Yeah, that's totally understandable. It's a horror and it's tragic, but it's understandable. Abortion as birth control is pure insanity. Okay? And in the case of our black brothers and sisters, genocide. Right? Um, so what did that bishop do? He believed that her open advocation, advocacy for abortion, working hard for it, while publicly proclaiming her faith and refusing to talk to him about it, meant she had three strikes. But you kind of need a fourth. And what's the fourth? The fourth is the bishop has to have hope that by saying you cannot go to communion because you're out of communion, that it will compel her to repent. So he must have believed those four elements were present, that she was, she was committing a grave sin publicly and obstinately, and that by depriving her of Eucharist, it might compel her to change. Okay? So if those four criteria are hit, a bishop can do it. Why would he do it? Because he believes that person's soul is in danger of hell. That's the only reason. Okay? Uh, the church, church law is clear. You can't deprive someone of communion to punish them. The phrase is, excommunication cannot be punitive. It must be pastoral. Punitive would be, unless you change no communion. Pastoral is, I hope by telling you you can't, that you'll change. Am I making sense? Yeah. Is this going okay? Yeah. And I don't want y'all freaking out. I don't want an abortion debate on my timeline. I've not seen anyone change their opinion because of Facebook. Just pray. If I'm wrong, pray for me. And trust me, I'm praying for you. Because this is either the preeminent moral issue since slavery, or it's not. And if I'm wrong, I need conversion. And if I may be so bold, if you're wrong, you need conversion. One of us is wrong. Okay. And clearly, shouting at each other isn't helping. Okay. So what I'm giving you is what the church is teaching and has taught unbroken for 2,000 years. That a person receiving communion who's out of communion is damning themselves. Right? Uh, how does St. Paul put it? He who eats the flesh and drinks the blood without consideration eats and drinks their condemnation. So this isn't about... Shame on her, no communion. This is about, you're hurting your soul. Stop taking communion, it's only making it worse. And you can argue all day, and I'm with it, whatever. You do you. I'm telling you what the teaching is. How we doing? Yeah, okay. Did he make it public or she? I, I, cynically, I'm sure she did, right? The, I, but I don't know. 
And you say, why? Uh, not because I'm a Republican, I'm not. Uh, but because that's what politicians do, you know? Why hasn't Archbishop Gregory banned Biden from communion? I don't know if Biden is under his jurisdiction. I would assume whatever his home is. Like, where is Biden? Do you know where Biden's home is? Yeah, Not his current residence. Right. Um, but then the other is either he doesn't consider the sin grave, he doesn't consider the sin public, he doesn't consider the sin obstinate, or he doesn't believe depriving him of communion will help him. Okay, will lead to change. Right. So he's got to hit all four to do it. And if he can't hit it, maybe he will. I don't know. But there we go. Yeah. I don't, I don't, and, uh, do I need to head off the, well, what about immigration? What about, I know. But in terms of executions, there were 16 executions last, 14. There were 14 executions last year. We have 2,800 abortions a day. There is a vast difference between 14 and 28. And I oppose capital punishment. I don't think it can be done morally. Okay, I wanna be clear. What about kids in cages? That's a stain on our national conscience, right? Starting with President Obama, continued by Trump, continued by Biden. They throw these families in cages and separate kids from their parents. And to me, that is a despicable crime that could land them in hell. I don't consider it equal with terminating an innocent child because of convenience. Okay? Um, so that's, oh, Mar Marius is coming to attack you, Beth. Beth stopped by. She was going to serve as our lovely research assistant, but instead we broke it down this way. She's lovely. John's my research assistant. Just hold the bullpen. Yeah. See how it works? Yeah. Oh, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> she can do both. I can't. I know. Yeah. You can do the research assistant part. You're right. I know about the lovely part. I know. Uh, Joe Biden's home church is St. Joseph on the Brandywine in Greenville, Delaware. Okay. So we'd have to find out who the bishop of uh, Greenville we'll do You can do it? I will do that. My man. All right. Have you guys found this helpful? And and are people wigging out or are we being rational, no, lovey humans? No, I okay. Didn't, I, I didn't know if Beth coming in here drunk was going to throw a wrench in the whole monkey works. <laughs> Somebody had to be yeah. It's not Carrie today. <laughs> okay. You may have answered this, but you mentioned exorcism, and I wondered if you ever witnessed one. Uh, I'm going to tell you, you've witnessed at least one. I'll bet cash money. Okay. A friend of mine's brother-in-law, a priest, is a designated exorcist, and I've grown m interested in the topic. I told her I was more interested in exercise than exorcism. <laughs> okay. If you've been to a baptism, you saw an exorcism. Did you know that? We do a prayer of exorcism over the child. Um... Oh, boy. And now, of course, I can't remember the words. If I was doing a baptism, I wouldn't even need the words. Right. Yeah. Stop it, Satan. Go away. And Jesus is cool. I think those are the lyrics. It's not lyrics. Sorry. Oh, you found the dude? His name is William Koenig. K-O-A-N-I-G. Nice German. Queens, New York in 1956. He is picture makes him look to be like 30 he years looks, old. I was going to say, he looks like he's 12. Yeah, he looks like a Did you see the relief pitcher they brought in last night for Cleveland? He looked like he was 12. 
I was like, does his mom know he's up this late? Yeah, she sent a permission slip. Oh. <laughs> I was worried because he's got spelling today. Seriously, did you see the kid? The last one, not the first one. Yeah, the last pitcher, literally, as dad, the guy stepped on the mound. I'm like, does his mom know? The kid could throw some fire, too. So anyway. She's getting a percentage. Yeah, she's getting a cut. Okay, so you have seen an exorcism. If you, what? I, I think I have the words. The words. Oh, they didn't go to the, go ahead. That's okay, sis. All right, so uh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, okay, here's what happens when we talk about exorcisms. If I, and I don't want you to think this is a bad question. It's not at all. But I really don't talk about them because I learned an important lesson uh, teaching high school. First, all high schoolers are possessed. I would agree. Yeah, Beth agrees. No, all kidding aside, we all have, and I get it, I do too, okay? This isn't a condemnation. We all have a bit of an unhealthy curiosity about evil, okay? And why? Because it's mystery. You know what the word occult means? It's a Latin word. It just means hidden, okay? And why hidden? Because that's not a, our place to go. You know what I mean? Let God deal with that. That... I noticed when I was teaching, I mean, do you ever think about how ridiculous it is that God became a baby, that God died on a cross, that God gives him himself and bread? Those are things we could talk about forever, that God made himself vulnerable. But when I taught that to high schoolers, they were like, <sighs> and the moment I said the devil, right, they want to know. They have lots of questions. And what is that? It's part of our flawed nature. It's part of the thing Jesus came to rescue us from. Um, and so, yeah, I've seen an exorcism, the type you're probably talking about. Uh, and I've been at a couple, uh, but they're not common. They're nothing like you see on TV. Um, they're much, much calmer than you would think. And you've seen one at every baptism, right? So, um, yeah, and I'm actually more interested in exorcisms than exercise exercises. When you run and no one's chasing you, I just assume there's something wrong with your head. You ever right? seen anyone smile while jogging? No. no. <laughs> but I smile when I'm ramming cake in my face. Bacon. Yeah. Bacon! Sorry, I panicked. I panicked. So I hope that's helpful, and I hope you don't feel like I'm saying that's a wrong question. Not at all. Uh, I just want you to understand why I don't spend a lot of time talking about exorcisms. Uh, but, uh, sorry, I, uh, <laughs> did you find that funny? I did. What's the length again? Was it inappropriate? Spitting Spitting 15 feet. The maximum distance a human can spit. That's one thing I'll tell you. When there's a group of people who come to exorcisms just to pray, they don't talk to the possessed. You never talk to the evil spirit. You ignore everything and you just pray, but you have to be 15 feet from the exercised because they can spit 15 feet. Isn't that nuts? Leave it to a demon to be like, I'm going to give him the gift of spitting. Yeah, well, I can only spit 13 feet. Yeah, Dad can only do 13, uh, but some of that he leans forward, and I think it's cheating. What should I do if a loved one wishes to be cremated and specifically states their ashes to be spread at a specific location? Uh, 
if they're alive, you know, I would talk to them about it, definitely, and say you would rather not be a part of the spreading of ashes, that it violates your conscience. Yeah? Um, yeah. I think, you know, if they're already dead, I, I don't know what to tell you, except, uh, well, it's like I told you, and this is terrible to say, I'm sorry, but I'm right. When people are dead, they don't have opinions anymore. Okay, how often do we enslave ourselves to the dead? And I, I say this with great love. I do it too. Okay, how often do we enslave ourselves to the dead when they're in heaven wanting us to do what's right? Whatever they said on earth, it was their best. But in heaven, broken wishes, they don't want you to keep them. They don't want you to keep wishes made out of brokenness, even with the best of intentions. Um, you know, I think of a time... I think this is okay to say. I was doing high school ministry. Ah. Yeah, I think this is all right to say. I called a buddy of mine driving home who I find to be a very wise person, okay? Because I had had uh, a young man in my office, and he was uh, a very bright, good-looking boy with a great future ahead of him. And a girl had in my adult mind watching kind of latched onto him in the hopes that he could rescue her from her life. Okay? You've seen this before. Yeah. So you know how it is. And this was kind of my first experience with something close. No, not close. Something akin to a parent's love. Right? I loved this boy. I love this girl. And I knew, like every high school relationship, it won't last. And I hated that he was starting to feel like he needed to make choices about college based on her. And that she made sure he knew that he should base them off of her. Am I making sense? Mm -hmm. So the young man came in to see me. And I, I've kind of, well, I said it really nice or whatever, but like, no, bro, you got to do the, you got to do what's best for you. You know, and I kind of, and when I called my buddy and told him I'm doing a bad job explaining this, he, he kind of chewed me out. And he was, he said, uh, don't you dare take from him. Don't tell him what to do. Don't tell him that. He's an 18 year old who's trying to learn how to make decisions. He didn't have a dad. Um, well, I mean, ish. Uh, and anyway, his whole thing was this. Your goal is to try to get him to see the truth without telling him the truth. Let him learn. But in the meantime, all you did was give him an excuse to do the right thing, but put it on you. Am I explaining this well? Yeah. Okay. Why am I telling you that? It, well, he was right. What I was saying was right as I could see it. But I had something to learn from a dad, right, who was my friend, who was like, no, 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 that's not what a dad does. Um, people on earth, we can all have the purest hearts and purest desires and still say the wrong and do, and do the wrong thing. So I'm not a big fan of enslaving ourselves to the wishes of people who don't care about those wishes anymore. Yeah? Okay. When Jesus returns, hallelujah, and we're reunited with our bodies, is the current earth going to be destroyed and new earth made, or is the new earth already made and waiting for us? Well, it says in Revelations that the new Jerusalem is going to descend 
I, I, I think of it more as a reanimating and refulfilling. I, I, I think the only destroyed thing is evil. Uh, in this scenario, um, that the new heaven and the new earth, uh, which exists on some level now, right, because we believe there's three people already there, body and soul, right? Um, one of them you may know, his name's Jesus, tall guy, glowy around his head, stigmata. Um, you didn't find that funny at all? I, I, I got to say, that was pretty funny. So who do we believe is body and soul in heaven already? Jesus, Mary, and Bob. We're like, what did Bob do? We don't know. It's a mystery. No, uh, Elijah, right, who was taken body and soul. Okay. So that new heaven and new earth already exists. And if I understand right, it will descend onto the heaven and all creation will be renewed. Right? And our bodies, the church says, will be preternatural, the same type Adam and Eve had. Um, yeah. Long hair covering all the private parts. It's sad how it works. So your beard has to go that much further? I think so. I think I can do it. Well, of course, I got it. But this belly won't be in the way because this will be like chiseled abs. Yeah. I mean, let's get real. We'll all look like Pastor Williams. But with hair. I assume there's no baldness in heaven. I don't know. It would be trippy, seriously, if you get to heaven and you find out Jesus is bald. Seriously, <laughs> do you ever think about stuff like that? Be like, are you really the son of God? Because I saw pictures and you look Italian. <laughs> Did you ever see Surfer Jesus? One of my students. He's right there. Oh, no, that's Disco Jesus. Yeah. No, one of my students was in my office, and my godmother had given me this lovely painting of Jesus. And I'm one level, I'll be honest, I was like, oh, he looks like, he looks Italian. And it's like, come on, you know. He had dark skin, you know. He had that, but no, no, he, he, he lived in, you know, on the beach in Santa Monica. And, uh, but I never, I never knew they were all calling him Surfer Jesus. Because he had like this long hair whipping in the wind. Jesus told his disciples to pray and ask in his name. What did he mean? And how does one pray in Jesus' name? Growing up in the 60s at our church in Sarnia, Ontario. Are you serious? I know Sarnia really well. I know a ton of people there. That's so cool. Did you hear this? Ah, uh, anyway, well, growing up in 60s at our church in Sarnia, Ontario, and back then there was no singing at Mass, but still today I cannot sing for some reason. Oh, this is two questions. I think this is two questions. Okay. So let's talk about praying in Jesus' name. Um, hmm, come Holy Spirit. Praying in Jesus' name is like praying with Jesus as your background music, right? that you want your prayer to be an expression of Christ in you flowing out, okay? Prayer is not so much you and I creating something and giving it to God as much as it is participating in this dialogue between our soul and heaven. Um, and so... Like even, you know, I know it's funny trying to figure out how to articulate this, you know, come Holy Spirit. I literally mean it. I'm actually saying that. I'm asking Jesus to make my mind more open to what he's saying. Think of it like when I was a kid and we were in the car and you remember all GMs had the Sparkomatic AM radios. You remember those? 
And I remember, you know, you turn the dial, and I don't think this happens anymore. I don't know. I never listen to the radio. And you find that station. Well, that station's been playing. I mean, when I was a kid, I literally thought there were dudes just waiting. <gasps> oh, uh, that someone, yeah, someone's here. In a sense, like at our house. I literally thought that. But you know how it goes. There's this, like, 107.9 here in Flint. Wait. Um, it's on all the time. It's on right now. I don't know what's going on there because I'm not listening. But if I turn that little knob and find it, I can hear it. And so can everyone else who turn their little knob and listen to it. Prayer's the same way. There is a constant dialogue going on between God and our souls. And we can find that through prayer. And again, only through the Holy Spirit. We can't even find that channel without God. Okay? We are totally, completely dependent on God just to pray. And so when we say, what's praying in Jesus' name? It's any earnest prayer you make trying to find that channel and listen to it and sing along with it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, now we go to growing up in 60s at our church in Sarnia, Ontario, St. Anne's. And back then, there was no singing at Mass, but still today I cannot sing for some reason. Is this a common issue? Yeah, you know, there were these what you call low masses and high masses uh, in the 60s until really the 70s, which was a low mass. No, you didn't sing. You, 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 uh, they were quick and uh, uh, I don't know. You, know, you didn't sing. Now, if you actually want, there is a book about why <laughs> it's an angry book. No, I'm not even going to tell you. Never mind. There's a book called Why Catholics Can't Sing. Don't read it. Uh, <laughs> but it is about like, well, here's the guy's theory, and I kind of agree with it. I just think his anger was so disappointing and defining when I read it. And the whole idea is what? For longer than not, come Holy Spirit, of every Catholic who's lived and breathed since Jesus till now, a vast majority prayed mass or pray mass in a place where such a thing is illegal and can get you killed, right? And you might think, what? That's crazy. No, you, all you, the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages even, that was a small percentage of the world's population. The Catholic Church in the U.S., that's not, that's not 5% of the world's Catholics. That's not 5%. Many places... When Catholics pray, their life's in danger, real danger, not American danger. My feelings might get hurt, uh, but real danger. And for especially when you look at England uh, during that Reformation, when you look at Germany, uh, when you look today in India, Africa, China, uh, man. And so, no, Catholics didn't sing. They prayed quietly. They used secret signs. Um, they were very quiet. And you might think, that's nuts. That's a fact, right? Particularly Irish. Um, and the, the guy's whole theory is when we did start singing, the music was so bad, we never really got into it. And, and I think that's kind of true. Right, the music we were given when I was a kid, he would say, was so bad that when Catholics were finally told, yeah, you should sing during mass, 
well, it was crappy music, so they didn't. That's this guy's theory. But insert 20 pounds of rage. That's it? That's it. Is that it? Okay, because I'm tired. Okay. Um, there is one question I can answer very quickly, and it's about going to communion more than once a day, only for need, uh, and by need, not spiritual need. Okay? One's enough. Um, going more doesn't make it better. But if you're going to a daily mass and later going to a wedding, yeah, receive communion twice. But if it's, well, I'm going to go to communion three times today because I want more grace. No, it's not, uh, it's not a milkshake. You know, it's not, uh, milkshake was probably not the right word. It's not a bank. Yeah, that's my brother. It's not a bank. Okay. <laughs> Remember, what do we pray? Give us, to, give us this day our daily bread. Not weekly, not monthly, not yearly. And those are all things I wish Jesus would say. Give us this day our yearly bread, because then we're allowed some illusion of security. Jesus wants us baby dependent, right? Baby level dependent. Um, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Whoo! This old boy's tired. Um, uh, so thank you, by the way, for tuning in. Next week, we're going to kind of wrap up ecclesiology, and it'll be a little more practical. Like, how does it all work? Um, and uh, how should it work? I might even try that if I'm feeling saucy. Uh, but Oh, did you put another one in? No. Oh, oh, does that look like, oh, no, what's he going to say next week? <laughs> I just got to look. I got yeah. kind of a mama look. <laughs> like, where it's where, where I was one of Carrie's kids, notes. and it got really quiet. You know what I mean? You know? Um, no, that was when I sent you to the dentist the other night. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did go to the dentist finally. So I did. I cracked my tooth th four months ago. And it turns out the dentist doesn't like it when you wait four months to get him to look at a cracked tooth. I mean, it hurt, but I kept thinking, I don't get better. So Dr. Matthew Fulton, can I just say this, is a god. I'm serious. If you need a dentist and you're on that side of Genesee County, which I think is south, Dr. Fulton is a beast. I love that guy. Um... So check that out. <laughs> and yes, I'm getting paid for this. No, I'm not. Uh, but look at my lovely teeth. So uh, you guys, seriously, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, don't forget our podcast, right? Joe and Black Ministries. Uh, please subscribe on your favorite and least favorite podcasting service. And leave a positive review. And leave a positive review. Father Joe is a delicate flower in the garden of the Lord. Those are the preferred verbiages. Check that box. Yeah. Pastor Williams just gave us a date on <gasps> June 16th, and we can do that. Yes, and you know what? I'll be a priest 25 years on June 13th, yes. Pastor. Poor Jesus. Poor Jesus. Chocolate-covered bacon for you. <gasps> Do you know what? This is going to blow you away. I had chocolate-covered bacon. And are you ready? I, no one's more shocked than me. You didn't like it? It was too much. It was like my little redneck brain couldn't process all the Sweet happy. And yeah. And I needed something bad about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Have you had a bacon donut? Yeah. Didn't we have a bacon? No, I had a bacon cheeseburger donut. Right? Oh, oh, when we, when went, we went to the bookstore. Sweet, fancy bacon. Moses. What did you think of that? Bruh, we had bacon. Okay, so it was dead cow, mm -hmm. dead pig, mm -hmm. 
cheese, mm -hmm. and then donuts. Donut bun. And crispy cream donut bun. Like, you guys, I got fatter looking at it. And I mean, I'm fat. I got fatter looking at it. Now, um, so yeah, that was the funny thing about chocolate covered bacon. It was almost too much. It was like, I can't process the happiness. <laughs> All right. So Pastor Williams, guys, he's coming. Okay, and for those of you who aren't familiar with him, this is a beautiful, holy, hilarious, good man. And Pastor, I think we should talk about, like he and I have talked about this. Let's talk the Bible, man. Uh, let's get after who are our biblical dudes and dudettes. Uh, like yesterday, I thought of Carrie, because she didn't know this story about the beheading of Holofernes. Right, when Judith cut off the head of the Assyrian general and walked through it, right, it's in the Bible, walked through the camp holding his head up, right? If one Jewish woman did this, what do you think's gonna happen when you invade the city? Yeah, they went home. Wouldn't you? Especially like in kind of a misogynist, well, not mis I don't know, that's totally not fair. In a day when only men fought. To have some chick walking through your camp with your dead general's head and saying, I did this. Be like, scary. you know what, guys? So you can have Jerusalem. We're going to go home. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah. But she didn't scary. know that story. And, she, uh, right? Was that yeah, you that didn't no, know it? That's true. Because, you know, she's Catholic. <laughs> she's like, that's in the Bibli? The Bibli? The Bibli? Bible. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, so, Wednesday, we're going to have, uh, we're, we're getting close to the end of our foundations. Yeah. Right? And then Thursday, can I tell them about Thursday? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm a little geeked out about this. Father Ed Looney is going to be traveling here from Wisconsin. From Green Bay. Okay? Uh, Green Bay. He's an author and host, and I like this cat. I met him very briefly, and we tag teamed some confessions. And he just strikes me as a good dude. And he wrote a book. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'm geeked out about him coming here. So that's next Thursday. And then next Friday. Oh, and by the way, all the shows next week will be in our new studio. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor, I can't wait to see it. It's in the big room that Dad slept in before. We took Dad's bedroom. <laughs> but he's happy on the porch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Actually, it's summer. Warmed up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, boy, in winter, he complained a lot. I'm like, gosh, Dad, when I was your age. <laughs> My generation. We stormed to the beaches of Normandy. No, wait, that was your generation. Okay, salad pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, thank you for this day. You know, I know this sounds funny, Lord, but it struck me when I woke up. Over 5,000 people in the U.S. didn't wake up this morning. It was their last day yesterday, and... If this is our last day, help us to live it so well. And thanks for giving us this day. Well, Jesus, we are tearing your beautiful creation apart. And we keep looking everywhere but you for answers. Calm our turbulent spirits and soothe, soothe the violence and pride in us. You have given us such a rich gift in the scriptures, in the tradition. Thank you. 
we ask that you send your spirit in a very special way down to the people in Texas who have been affected by this violence. Oh, my Lord, please touch their broken hearts and help us as a country to figure out what you want us to do and do it, even if it makes us uncomfortable. We begin this violence in the womb and we carry it through the whole life. Oh, God, forgive us. Keep us safe. Keep those we love safe. Protect us from evil. And all of those people that we love so terribly and worry about and all the circumstances that we carry around and we fret about, we give all of them to you, Lord, because we love you so much and we trust you. And may the blessings of Almighty God be with you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, beautiful people. I will see you next week. And until then, my Kung Fu is strong. Peace. Is it over? No, it's never over.